0: put a bar i put a, a keg a you know beer thing in a bar in there and so every thursday night or whatever they do fly tying and and try a new beer and it's getting more local people involved in fly tying and then he's getting you know more fly tying materials in and so they're they're keeping their flies as local as they can and i think that's one of the coolest things
1: that was wanda taylor talking about her local fly shop fly tying and beer you know i love a good ipa This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Are you getting excited about traveling again uh, sometime soon after we get through this COVID mess? I'm setting up great fly fishing destination trips around the country, and uh, if you head over to wetflyswing.com/travel, you can find out more information on where we're heading next. Wanda Taylor is here today, one of the leaders in women's fly fishing. She shares some tips on dry fly fishing, talks about the Hiawassee River, uh, gets into a little on drift boats and why she loves them, and tells us why she's so fired up for blue water fishing. So let's just jump into it. Without further ado, here is Wanda Taylor. How's it going, Wanda?
0: It's going great. Dave, how are you this morning?
1: Great, great. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. We were uh, trying to schedule. It's always a little tricky on the scheduling sometimes, so I'm glad we were able to get this this one in and, and dig into a little bit of your history. I'm, I'm really excited to to hear you know, how you got to where you are because you're one of the big names in fly fishing these days. And, uh, and you're, you work with TFO another company that I love. So we're going to get into all that, but maybe you can just start us off first to talk about how you first got into fly fishing.
0: Well, I've been fishing since I was four and my, my grandmothers taught me to fish. I had no male role models. I just thought because they fished that all women fished. So, um uh, I was always out on the water and I met this, this fly guy and, um uh, he found out that you know I I like to fish and and so he said Do you want to you want to go fishing with me I said sure so we we'll get to the river and he starts flinging this noodly line around and I said what are you doing he says I'm fly fishing I says well I don't fish that way you know but I'm a good fisher person so eventually you know I went over to the wild side and found out I really liked it and um, I've been doing it for the last thirty two or three years so nice it stuck.
1: Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. so so your so your grandmas, I love that. I love these stories because, you know, I think yeah. of my grandma. I had two amazing grandmas. One of them, when I was growing up, um, I pretty much spent the summer, you know, with my grandma. And she she I kind of attribute my person, you know, some of my personality to her because she was so laid back and, and really, you know, kind of this amazing person. How, how I mean, what were your can you ex- talk about your did you say your grandparents were the ones that got you into it?
0: My grandmothers, I have had two grandmothers from two sides of the family, and they both fished. So when I would stay with one or the other, that was one of the things that they had me to do. I understand at three and four, I was pretty annoying. With why can I can I help you? Can you know? So to get me away from the kitchen and annoying everyone, they would take me down to the creek and you know give me a worm and a pole and say now when you catch something you know, bring it back up and we'll cook it for Papa for lunch. So I thought I was doing this huge help to the family farm. Uh, so, you know, it was a, a big deal for me. And I fell in love with it. And it kept me out of their hair.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Where, where were you at? Yeah. You, with, where were you living at this time?
0: Uh, well, I'll, At the same place. I'm still on our, our, our 112-year-old family farm in Donville, Georgia. It's in Northwest Georgia. Oh, wow. And I have the privilege of still being, yeah, we still have the home place on the property. And uh, it's like Dallas. We've got Miss Ellie. Mom has a place here. My sister has a place here. And uh, we're far enough away that we don't see each other, but yeah. we can at each other's home in five or 10 minutes if we need to be. So it's a sweet deal.
1: Wow. That sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah that, that sounds like we, we talk about that a little bit here too, the fact that it would be nice to have the the in-laws, you know, closer because we've got some young kids. Right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's so important, I think, for especially young people to have the influence of, of older people. I mean, I would love, I'd sit all day in front of my grandfather and just tell, he would tell me stories about when he went to the gold rush in California, and, you know, to get his fortune. And I mean, oh, wow. I was just mesmerized by all that. And yeah, he, he went there and, and um, was kind of like a truck driver, but he, he had um, a mule team. And he would transport things from from one side to the other and uh, was able to make quite a bit of money. And when he came back, he bought the, I think it was more like 100 acres here in this community, a uh, farm from his father and then married my grandmother, who, who he had fallen in love with since she was 13. So it's a cool story. Wow. Uh, the funny, the interesting thing is when he came back on the, he came back by train, he was afraid somebody was going to rob him. So he taped he taped all of his wealth, his money, around his body, under his clothing. No kidding. And so, yeah, yeah. And he's a he was a red-headed, blue eyed, you know, fair skinned person. So when he got home, he had all these rashes from all of that and the heat of that, you know. No way. But we we, we yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we we now know how to stash your money if you're going awesome. to travel. What what
1: was the <laughs> yeah. what was he carrying? Were these like gold coins or what was the money? How was he?
0: he didn't he didn't really explain that so much he yeah. just said that he had to tape it for fear of being robbed and and I'm sure that would have happened you know if you yeah. had, a, had a a, a little of... yeah or a little piece of luggage you you wouldn't let go of
1: no. it kind of happens
0: wow. like that so yeah <laughs> wow. no, I... yeah so uh, th- that is important. I hope that you can find time to have the in laws and the your your parents maybe come by and just spend more time with them. Because, you know, I'm, I'm learning that now my passion because of my, what my grandmothers did for me is bringing the youth of, of, of America or the world, wherever I get to travel, into the sport of fly fishing. And we're mentoring more young girls, not just women. The yeah. focus has been for a while on women. Now the women are passing it on to the girls. And then it's just, it's just going like wildfire. And to see these little 10, 11-year-olds, Little skinny things do a double haul. Just brings tears to your eyes.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> you're hitting you're hitting home to me because I I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have two daughters. They're six and eight right now, and and I just I'm right in the same. I'm just that they've it yeah. you know they're into it a little bit, but they're not fully into it. And I want to just keep sure. keep them going. So any yeah uh, you pro- yeah.
0: Well, make it fun, make it a game. I mean, I, I I do a lot of children's classes and you have to have, they have, they have to have goals with, they like to compete with each other. So, you know, we set up, you get a free TFO hat. If you get your, your fly line through the hula hoop, you know, and they're all lined up to do that. And you nice. know, and then you find that they I not have fake fish. And so if you land your fly on the, on the fish, you get another prize. And, before they know it, they, they've learned great skills. I mean, you can even teach them to double haul really easy because they don't know that it's hard. That's right. People make it hard. It's not really hard, but they're they just little sponges. So,
1: How would you teach them if they were to, to the double haul? What would be the easy, easy way to teach them that? Technique?
0: Well, I make them understand that, you know, they're physically not as strong as adults. Their muscle mass is not formed. And so I said, I have this this way to help you and we do instead of one handy casting we're going to do two handy casting and so get them doing the the back stop and the forward stop and then show them their non-dominant hand whichever that one is their line hand i'm finding i've got more lefties coming up now which is really Mm -hmm. cool uh so and i and i show them how they they can pull the line and make it go without even casting with their non dominant hand. And they think it's so fun. It may be over-exaggerated for them, yeah. but they get the idea of the of the rhythm of it. And and, and then they're just doing it automatically. It It's like teaching children. There's, I don't know if you've ever watched a program where they're teaching children, little children to swim,
2: mm. like
0: babies, by throwing, you know, they'll blow air into their mouth and then just throw them in the pool and they come up swimming and right. they, it's, it becomes a game, you know, to them so um i would have liked more games like that yeah <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> so how how's that work how's that work with the baby so they they have a, a a small infant and they just throw it in the water
0: yeah they blow air into its mouth you know i think this is a trainer i've just seen the show a couple of times and then and then just put threw the baby underwater and it just caught started swimming back up toward the top and it became a game and the, the baby's laughing it's it's a really amazing technique.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: I don't swim. I don't swim. I, I don't swim, I, I swim <laughs> like a rock. I, yeah. I do. And I've, I've been thrown out of more YMCA's and in, in swimming lessons than I can even tell you about. And so I would have enjoyed having somebody teach me to do that okay. at a younger age. My, my sister is like a lifeguard. She saved me. She's four years younger than I am. And she saved me from drowning so many times. And it's, I mean, we were little.
1: Yeah, she come after me. Wow, wow, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I'm bringing back the two things about my, my grandma. Actually, the same grandma. I, I always called her my little grandma because she's this tiny little thing. But she taught me to swim back in the day.
0: And See, he's yeah. saying how valuable that is. I know. Yeah. Just cool. Yeah, but anyway, some of us just can't keep our feet up. I I just, for some reason. And I've talked to, I mean, big guys, even like Bobby Popovich, the, the oh, yeah. famous fly tire. I don't know if you know Bob, yeah. Bob said he, he couldn't do he can't do it either. He said he got kicked out of the Marines for it or something because mm. there's just something about it. He kept sinking. So don't feel bad, Wanda. And I said, "Thanks, Bob. I needed to hear that from somebody else."
1: <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> they make flotation devices for t- people like he and I.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I'm not a great swimmer either. I, I just I, I can swim well enough just probably to save my life if I had to. But I, I'm not. I'm not going to be doing a triath- triathlon or anything like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I have learned to float. I mean, you know, when all else fails, just yeah, relax and float. Float to the top and.
1: Till somebody comes and gets you. Exactly. Nice. Nice. Cool. Well, let's jump into, I want to talk a little bit about uh, dry flies here. I know, you know, you have a, a varied, a very diverse background and, and in, in all that, but, um, you know, maybe we could just start off talking about your home water. I'm not sure what, uh, if there is a home water, when you think of dry fly fishing that you've either in the past or currently go to, is there a spot that, that comes to mind?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just about 40 minutes from my home and I live really on a borderline between Georgia and Tennessee, so I can be in Tennessee in 20 minutes. So my home waters is the Hiawassee River in Reliance, Tennessee, and, um, it have, we have like a 15-mile stretch of trout water, and then it goes into striper water. Uh, wow. and it's a tailwater stream. So, you know, it's, it's regulated by TVA. When you air heat and air conditioning on, we have lots of flows. And when it's not, then they, they give us a, a fishing flow during the summer, which is great. They have it off in the morning for wade fishers. And they normally turn it on about 11 o'clock for the kayakers, and we drift boat people who don't really care to wade.
1: hmm <laughs> <laughs> You do a lot of drift boat or you, you, you float in a drift boat?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love to row. I, mainly, I'm just not really, sh- you put me to, to uh, waiting. I'm like an elephant in a china shop. I'm going, it's not if I go down, it's when I go down. So I love my boat because, it, you know, I could, if I see a rise across the river, instead of trying to have to walk over there, I just, you know, give it a couple of paddles and there I am and anchor down. So it just gives me more freedom. It's like an airplane kind of, you, you just go where you want to go.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I've been, I've really, uh, I've been really interested in drift boats lately. What, what, what is your drift boat?
0: I have a clock of craft. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I love it. Before that we had wooden boats, um, my ex-husband built a wooden boat for us when we first started guiding together. It was just the oh, two wow. of us. And, uh, Yeah. And so they're so light and so maneuverable. And then you go to a fiberglass boat. It's a little bit different. It's not as maneuverable as a wooden boat to me. Yeah. And uh, I love the classics of it too. Yeah. I love, I love wooden boat.
1: What design did he use to make the boat?
0: Uh, a McKinsey, like a McKinsey. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm interested. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, but, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Well, soon after that, though, once we had in the late eighties started, uh, that's that river that we called that ran over us. That one, you know, with Brad Pitt. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, our bus biz- our business just blew up, and, and immediately we went from two people to eight people, and it, it was just kind of overwhelmed hmm. me. I I wasn't in, I wasn't mm-hmm. really prepared to be full time in the business, but it just kind of sucked me in, and I, I found out I was I loved it, and I was teaching, and and it just happened really quick it's like when the chariots of fire came out and everyone's wanted to start a run Marathon. So that's I don't right. remember that movie, but oh, yeah, yeah it, 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 worldwide it's, it, it had this new runners thing going on. So that's right. Um, that's
1: right. Yeah. Another thing. But anyway, I, I've had, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say another thing I love doing uh, running, but I'm not that great at it. But, um, no, the, the river on Sure. So you were basically, and I want to I want to get back to that drift boat thing. Cause I had a, a note there, yeah. but, um, So basically, so you're this is uh, in the early '90s. So you're fishing, and you're not quite full time. And then a river runs through; it comes through, and you realize that you can go all in on fly fishing. Is that how it how it works out?
0: Well, it was the demand of, of running a business. You know, we had people that had to shuttle for us every day. Then there's lunches for everybody that had to be prepared. And then there's someone that had to man the phone to take all the reservations. We, at that time, worked for Orvis and were endorsed by Orvis. So uh, when that catalog came out, you know, my phone just rang off the Yang, basically. And it was state by state by state that they would mail them. So one day all the calls would be from Minnesota and the next day they'd all be from Kansas. And the next day they'd be from Florida. It it was really ironic. But so it, it, I had to take more time to do it. It's hard to find people to that could do fill all those slots. And then if, you know, one of the guides was not able to go that day, I I would fill in or, you know, we had destruction coming up and they weren't that many women, but the, we had families. So we found that the, they felt more comfortable having another woman in there so they could ask questions, but it was really the men who asked me the questions, not the women, because, you know, we're not, we're not supposed to know all things about sports. Like you guys, when you're born for hmm. some reason, everybody thinks that cause you're a male, you're supposed to know all things about sports Yeah. and, and we're, and women aren't expected to know that. So, you know, we, we just ask any question, but guys wouldn't, and they wouldn't ask the instructors, the male instructors, they would wait till break and they would come to me at the water cooler and say well what did he mean about that mending the line thing oh yeah you know and so i so i quietly explain it to them and he'd say yeah 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 that's what i thought i thought thanks
2: <laughs> nice
0: <laughs> like, seriously <laughs> yeah but anyway our, the Hiawassee river back to the Hiawassee river yeah. the drive that's my home river so i've had many 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 hours on it and i, I love it so it's, it's my uh Secret garden that I go to. Oh,
1: perfect, perfect. Okay, well, we'll dig into that here in a second. I j- just want to check on that, Mackenzie. I'm so I'm going into yeah. a. I uh, actually already started a little mini series on drift boats, so I'm kind of documenting the his- uh-huh. the history of drift boats in different episodes. And I, um, yeah, I've got yeah. S- I got some really cool guests coming up. In fact, I talked to the guy who wrote the book on uh, how to build wooden boats. Uh, Roger Fletcher. Well, yeah, Roger Fletcher. Yeah,
0: you, you got an authority right there. Yeah, That's so wonderful.
1: I just learned about Roger recently, so he's going to be coming on. We're going to dig into it, and then we're going to yeah. hopefully have. So on. Are you
0: thinking about building one?
1: Uh, you know, I'm. I probably will eventually. Not right now. I just want to document. Uh-huh. I just want to uh, interview sure. all the the, the uh, drift boat owners and founders, just so everybody else kind of knows the history. I, um, right. I also dug That's into the, the. I'm not sure if you've heard of the Grand Canyon Dory history, but it's really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I um I interviewed the um the filmmaker of Pete's uh, uh Martin's boat, which uh, is a documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's really awesome. It's uh, goes it's about no. twenty it's about twenty five minutes long. And it goes into the history of um how drift boats started on the Grand Canyon, and uh, and there's a conservation wow. uh, background to it, and how they. Saved, protect the grand canyon from dams and stuff but anyways i, I well, i'll put a fantastic. link yeah it's really cool i'll put a link out at wetflyswing.com slash drift boats okay to the source. well
0: how come you know we built the boat was you know we'd been out to yellowstone and drifted some big rivers out west and there there were no drift boats in the south no period
1: are there still yeah, not and if
0: we wanted to buy Uh, yeah, well, there's more, but but if you still want to get one, you have to go West or find a a company that's closer to you to manufacture that you can go actually pick it up. Uh, but we have a lot of people that that are building wooden boats here just because it's, you know, it's easy. It's not expensive and they're beautiful and they fish well. So, um, that's, that's kind of what happened. And then, yeah, but when it happened so fast, we had two of our guys build their own boats pretty quickly, but the rest of them, uh, bought you know fiberglass boats which is which yeah. is great because we had a a variety of things
1: that's right yeah the fiberglass have their own benefits for sure um mm-hmm. but I, yeah i don't think there's anything like wood i think wood is is the you know mm-hmm. obviously it's that it's natural you know it's it, it makes sense sure
2: yeah.
0: yeah but but we're the hawaii river it's it's it, all the rocks face upstream It it's it's hard to maneuver it's not a pebble stone river it's uh So we had to, in order to save the bottom of the boat, we had to put, uh, I call it Tupperware, but a product like Tupperware on the bottom. And it really made it easier to slide over rocks and, you know, in difficult places. And you knew you weren't going to end up with water coming into your boat.
1: Yep. Yep. That's the, uh, I'm not sure what they they put on that now, but yeah, it's some sort of plastic. There's so many
0: new products like that, you know, that uh, by the time I name one, that's old hat and they're using something else that's lighter than stronger and just like fly rods, same thing. <laughs> yeah, same
1: deal. say, cool." Well, let's jump into the uh, the Hiawassee. This is interesting because we haven't talked yeah. about this river, and maybe you can just start us off first. And if we're talking about dry fly fishing, how do you, you know, how do you get your clients into uh, fish on on the dry flies there?
0: Well, it's pretty easy if you've got uh, you know fish rising. Um, th- there's nothing like the action of catching a fish on on a, on the top of the water. I mean, I love catching them on streamers and also with nymphs, but just to see that take and then to come up, we have um, an, Isonychia, an Isonychia hatch on this river, which is kind of a purple looking Adam's fly. Wow. Uh, but yeah, we do. And, and it's not as prolific as it used to be.
1: How, how uh, do you, nothing's
0: how, the same as it used to be. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you know how to spell that? that that's interesting. I, I don't know that.
0: Uh, uh ISO and I see I A, there's an H in there somewhere. Um, uh, Isonicia, yeah, okay. and so it's a beautiful big fly, and uh, you know the mergers is probably I think the most deadly in anything on dry fly. If you've got the merger pattern, even if it's a, even if it's a caddis um, that that um, makes such a huge difference. We we were able to meet uh, Mr. Quigley that did the Quigley cripple, yeah, and uh, once we started using things like that, when you're having a massive, you know, caddis hatch or dry fly, it would they'd always take those that are that look like they're not going to make it it's, it's just mm-hmm. this, how nature is you know like the wolves attack those small deer that they know that they can get and fish are the same way huh. so um that's that's basically that the two patches that we have is caddis and, oh, no, and is. we have we have stonefly too we have lost lot in the evenings we use uh, stimulators you know big stimulators which is kind of fun and you can do a you know a, a tag on it too, if you want to do it at the bottom or whatever, you have a yep. chance to catching two trout at one time. So uh, yeah. whatever it takes, if, if they don't, you know, they don't want candy, give them pizza.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> they well, you, you mentioned the, the cripples. It's, I just recently talked to Kelly Gallup again and, and we, you know, he had the oh, book, good. The Cri- Cripples and Spinners, right? His book. And he, he explained yeah. that the fact that he wrote a whole book about the cripples and the fact that, yeah. you know, there are a lot of those, depending, especially in windy areas, right? You get a lot more f- uh, bugs that are yeah. kind of messed up.
0: Kelly Gallup's amazing. He any, anything he ties is going to attract a fish. I got to do a television show with him. We did a couple of years of uh, fly fish TV. Yeah, and he he came to my river and we we did a couple of shows here and then we traveled up to uh, McMinn County in Tennessee for muskie. So you mm-hmm. know it was it was a fun time.
1: That's cool. So you guys are so you're mm-hmm. in the boat. So you're pretty much rowing and you've got a client mm-hmm. out front and a client out back. Is that how you're doing it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, yeah,
1: that's
0: the way. That's the way we did it. Now I don't. I don't guide anymore. I do a, what I call instructional guiding. I, I mainly teach fly fishing to how how to cast and how to present on still water. And then this, the the next day after that, we go to moving water. So I put them in the boat and then show them how to mend the line and you know the difference between a dry fly and a, and a stimulator. You know, so what they look like and and our our wooly bugger. But you, you can always catch something on a woolly bugger, <laughs> yep. no matter what color
2: it is. Yep.
0: I've caught everything from, from bass to trout to pompano to sharks, even on woolly buggers. Yeah. It's an amazing little fly.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it sounds like uh, that. Well, so, so you mentioned teaching versus guys. so you don't guide. What is the difference between the teaching, what, what you do, and, and guiding? It sounds like you're on the water, but you're not. It's a little different.
0: Yeah, I don't do anything for them. They have to tie their own knots you know, they have to fix their leader. Um, they have to tell me why that cast was not well, what it didn't deliver. Why, why did it, what happened? And so helping them think through what they're doing and where would you put the fly? Uh, where are the fish? So it's a, it's a whole educational day of, um, especially those who are are new to fishing. Now, if you're already a fisher person, uh, you know, it's, it's like icing on the cake, you know, learning where to put it and then how to set the hook, um, I always find it amazing that when you know they have set the hook and it's like now what do I do? They just go all to pieces. The fly line's going everywhere, and you know just to have someone talk you through that. When the, the first trout I ever caught, no one had talked me through that. So I put the fly rod between my knees and in hand line position. Uh-huh. I I, yep. what, I didn't know what to do with it, you know. And so being in that place before, I know how important it is to teach people line management. I mean, that's just a, a key to catching fish. If you don't have good line management, you're not going to catch fish. So um, it's, a, it's a day like that, and they yeah. can ask anything they want. And then the, the, my goal and their goal, we've already agreed on this, is when they walk away, they'll be independent fly fishers. Mm-hmm.
1: What, what is, uh, you know, line management? So if you're, again, talking dry flies, you, you say, are you talking mainly when you have a fish on, or, or wh- wh- where do you start with line Both. management?
0: Both well, like you know, how do you how do you, how do you mend line if you want to cast a little bit farther upstream? You know that we talk about a reach cast. You know what is a reach cast? And we go into casts like that that makes their their our, our one stroke cast another one was just how to pop it back upstream. They didn't know they could do that. They thought they had to do a back cast and a forward cast, and it really is confusing at first, mm-hmm. you know, to a lot of a lot of anglers. So just making those things simple and they already understand it. Then when they go fishing on their own by themselves, they've got a full education of, oh, I've done this. I know exactly what to do, how to get out of it. But you have to have line control. Um, You know, I teach them that once they've done shooting line and they've used their left hand, if they're a right-handed caster, to control that line by making an O-ring and then giving the line back to their hand so that they can actually be ready to set the hook. And, And that's the first scenario that I go through to make sure that they know that the, the left hand now from this moment forward should never turn loose of the line. It's, it's, it's your line guy. And so once they understand that one casts the rod and the other one controls the line, then we have two different things going on. And yeah. it's almost overwhelming. Like, this is just too much to
2: take. Right. In. <laughs>
0: yeah. I said, no, it'll come second nature when the fish show up. I'm telling you. But if you don't practice this at home in the yard, you're going to miss the strike. And then you're going to be upset with yourself that you can't catch fish.
1: That's right. That's right. What do you, so, you know, with that strike or, or when you see a rising fish, if we take it to the iso, I can't even pronounce it, but that, that hatch.
0: Isonicia? Isonicia, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah what um, And I'll uh-huh. put I'll put a link in there, a description of what that is. But, you know, if uh-huh. they see a rising fish, what what do they do? What, what's the first thing to do?
0: You should be casting to the side of it. Or if you, get, see, if you, if you see the rising fish and you yeah. can actually, you have these wonderful Smith uh, glasses that have all this wonderful new coating on them that you yeah. can see all the way to the bottom of the all right so with that you it gives you an idea of where, where the place to place the fly if you know if it's facing upstream or or, or is it going downstream yep. and, and then so try not to just hit it on the head because if you hit it on the head which a lot of people are really good at hmm. it's uh I, and actually i take the fly and, and or hit them on the head with a with something like that and i said how'd that feel well i don't like it <laughs> and i said fish don't either no <laughs>
2: <laughs> they don't
0: like it at all. Huh. So that's it. And then get them ready to set the hook. And I try not to have them to do the Orvis tradition on their logo, that a straight overhead said, I said, if you would set to the left or to the right, you'll get the corner of the, the mouth and you're going to have probably more success than if you just salute, come up with it yeah. every time, because sometimes you'll pull it right out. And because their lips are so tender, yeah. uh, you know, that you can rip it right out. So
1: that's a good tip.
0: Just that's little a good points tip. like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So basically, yeah, depending on which how they're taking the fly, you either set to the left or right to set it in the side of their mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, just have you have greater success. I watch a lot of these comp guys on the river, and uh, they're amazing. They never come up with a rod. I mean, it's 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 low with the left or right, and they, yeah. I mean, they are doing it and just so quickly. That's cool. And. Um, yeah.
1: That's cool. Are you fishing as you're going down in the drift boat? If, it, if you were just there, if it's just you and I fishing and floating, would you be yeah. casting mm-hmm. for that hatch right towards the bank, or where, where are those bugs?
0: They're, they're all over. Yeah. I mean, we, we have such a diverse bottom to this this river that, you know, the, it has been healthier in the past. But I think some of the hatches are coming back. In the early spring, of course, it's massive. And we have midges in the fall and the winter. And uh, there's always something going on. Um, so just, I just wrote wherever wherever I see, I see the fish. Well, just like you would with saltwater fishing, wherever you see the seagulls and the bait ball, go there, go there. It's kind of the same way on the river. Yeah. Whenever you see the action, it's just, you have to train yourself to, to see it. And yeah. that's another topic that we talk about. Well, well, how do you know to go over there? Well, I just saw it. What'd you see? You know, so you have to explain it. It just, I make them stare until they finally see it. I got it. I got it. That's All right. right. Of <laughs> course, well, sometimes you're not lucky enough to have a rise. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Well, if you see a rise, I mean, how do you, in a drift boat, if you're floating down and you see a rise, how do you get on that fish, you know, because it seems like you'd only have maybe a one cast. Is that the way it works? Or are you? Yeah.
0: No, no. You just backstroke. I just back, you just backstroke on the, you know, the oars and just stay in that, that place. Or you just drop the anchor,
2: I um, the anchor. Okay. you know,
0: when, yeah, I would just drop the anchor and, and deal with it. And cause you don't know when to leaves rising fish to go find rising fish. Yeah. So for there, just backstroke upstream, which will really work on a person's gut, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not very I'm not very big either. I mean, you know, five five and maybe yeah. one twenty. So it you know, it's a good workout. I wish I could do it today because but oh, we're running yeah. we're spilling too much water right now. Like y'all like you are there where you yeah. are.
1: No, I love the yeah, I know drift boat is I love getting behind the oars. It's like kind of my favorite thing for sure. Um,
0: I'm in heaven I'm just in I heaven. Know. anytime I'm in a drift boat <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll put a link just like I noted on that Grand canyon i uh, this last yesterday I was watching videos of the drift boats going through like a lava rapids and some of them were flipping wow. I mean that's the amazing thing about those oh. boats is that they they yeah. designed them specifically that they can flip and they're not going to sink right which, which is amazing exactly. but that's one of my biggest goals i want to I want to float the grand Canyon in, in a drift boat that's kind of one of my
0: that would be exciting
1: yeah yeah so um, really? But, uh, okay, so let's take it back to your, your home river again, the uh, the Hiawassee. So, yeah. so you're anchored up. And are, when you anchor up, are you? is there any worry? How close are you getting to those fish? Because you think there might be worry with scaring the fish. Is that not an issue?
0: Well, you know, they have short memories. Yeah. Just like if you, you hooked one or, or, or missed one, within 15 minutes, uh, they forgot what happened. Unless you, you know, you struck them in the mouth with a hook. Now, they remember that. But uh, just... You know, I have a big river and it's wide, so I can see, you know, a half a mile across it and down it oh, wow. and, and backwards too. Yeah. So I've got lots of views and, and, uh, so I don't, and I don't go down fast. I may stay in one area, maybe 30 minutes hmm. and just kind of see what happens and then pick up the anchor and go downstream a little further. Oh, gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So we, fortunately we have three, five mile stretches that we can do that and, Depending on you know where the fish are and what time of year it is, uh, in the in the spring they're of course at the, the third the third five miles, uh, the lower ones because you know the water's just getting warmed up from being so cold over the winter. Oh, yeah. And then they move on up to the top by August. They're up at the dam because uh, they they're suffocating and they want you know some oxygen. So they just they kind of move around. That's cool, but yeah. we're stocked. Our river is put. Our river's put and take now. We we used to have when we were in TU here. We we fought for um, for a think you know a barbless oh, yeah. uh, trophy section, and it, we had it. And then it was voted out by the locals, and, and now it's everything's put and take, and
2: oh, wow.
1: they
0: all come out of out of a uh, hatchery.
1: Yeah. So there was actually a, a wild population there for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it was sustainable, and yeah. we had bigger fish, you know, because the, that section, people supposedly all released them. I'm sure there were poachers that sure. didn't, but uh, we tried to, you know, encourage everyone to do that. Now, it's pretty much, I don't really see a lot of fish coming out of the river as much as I used to. I mean, I i love seeing, um, we've got this guy in, in a john boat that's kind of, he wasted the waters pretty high, and he comes in with a john boat, and and he has overalls on and he didn't come out of the orders catalog, but he's mm-hmm. a great fisher person and he lets all of them go. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, in the past, we would never see that, you know, yeah. it was, it's just education of conservation. And I, and I think people are valuing the resources now more than ever because of uh, this COVID thing, when they shut down the boat ramps, you know, <laughs> you can't get to the water. We have all this, they shut down the Great Smokies. I mean, are you kidding me? No kidding. You couldn't have, yeah, it was, it's, it's been a difficult thing to experience, but I think we all have learned to value what we've had and treasure it more because
1: of it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, this is a COVID times has been, been rough, Mm -hmm. really rough for, for some, but hopefully. Hopefully we pull out of it eventually and, and get back to some more normal um normal stuff. I did want to talk um on we talked about uh, Temple Fork outfitters because you have a good connection. Yeah. And uh maybe you can talk just as far as the rod. I think you mentioned the uh a legacy series. Is there a like a dry fly? What what setup would you use for your river if you were just going for for dry flies? And is there a TFO rod that would be good for that or
0: all the TFO's rods are good to that? Yeah. <laughs> Except the Blue Water series. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> they make, you know, it depends on the caster. Um, you know, how do you all make right. the right presentation? You know, a dead drift is a dead drift no matter who makes the rod. And if the angler can do that, then it's going to be a successful day. Or, you know, a drag free drift on a dry fly is just magic. So uh, I don't really think it's so much about the rod or the stick that you use, it's how you use the tool. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're all good. The, the new legacy is um, one that they've done in, to honor. Aleptic Cray, and uh, the, the, it's, it's super high-end. Everything on it has been, you know, the, the greatest guides. Uh, everything on it is just just really beautiful. And I got the first one maybe three weeks ago. I had a five-weight and, and a six-weight. And the first two or three casts, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to have now the eight and the nine-weight. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: They cast this like this. It is just a beautiful thing to behold but also to cast. And uh I'm a really Axiom two X girl. I you know, I have got a super fast personality. I stand in front of the microwave saying, Come on, <laughs> hurry up, let's get this done. So the axiom slows me down and and it's just such a great tool in the wind. And so that's another thing, you know, what would you take to the river? What is your weather gonna be that day? Yeah. <laughs> and what will you be what are you gonna be throwing? So yeah. Is um, it pretty windy? you
1: Is it pretty windy on your river?
0: Well, it depends on the weather. You know, if you've got a tornado coming through, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So, and we've had a lot of them this year. I mean, Easter, we uh, almost lost my home. I mean, the thing came right through the farm and took some tops out of the tree. Yeah, yeah. And uh, four miles from the farm here, uh, the whole community uh, was wiped out. I mean, it sat down and just cleared it out. Yeah. So, there goes April and May, the best fishing ever. (laughs) Wow. And a lot of people, you know, we were helping our neighbors, uh, you know, with clothing and food and and helping them, you know, clear up their land. It was just horrific. So, yeah, it's been a windy year. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: That was more
0: so than. That's an understatement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What what is the tornado? Is that a. um, I mean, how often do you guys see tornadoes like that come through?
0: Rarely. uh, I guess the last one we had was maybe four years ago, but it, it bypassed us. And uh, it was kind of an after after winds of a hurricane that came in and it ended up the winds and turned into tornadoes up in uh, Helen, Georgia. And, and that area up there and and tore up so, so many homes in the the river and just trees everywhere. So you just never know where those guys are going to, going to show up. But fortunately, I'm not on I'm not on a tornado alley, but some, you know, some are.
1: But some are. What, what's the, the tornado? Just quickly, the tornado versus hurricane. What What is the, the difference?
0: Well, one's on the water and one's in the land. Oh, that's it.
1: Yeah, so the tornado <laughs> is the land. This is just for this us Western, us Western, uh, uneducated Westerners out here. So it's uh, yeah. Tornado mm-hmm. is the, the land version.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it bounces. Uh, you know, it'll pick up and skip uh, 20 miles and then come back down again. Uh, it just comes up and down as it wants to. We had a lot of, of downdrafts from it as well. I traveled the day after the last one we had, and um, so i had to go into Murphy, North Carolina um, business, and th- there was trees and electrical lines down everywhere, what they call like a downdraft, where it would just come down and blow and then pick up again. But you just can't predict them like you can a hurricane now. And the hurricane, we can track, you yeah. know, like the... the they know exactly what's happening, where it's going to go, and and where to evacuate. But with a tornado, you have no clue.
1: Yep. Wow. That's that's intense. Okay. Uh, you you mentioned you um, lefty cray. I'm glad you did because I wanted to touch on that. I know you have mm-hmm. a connection to him, and um, I love hearing the lefty cray stories because we've had a number of them <laughs> on here. That they're always every time I hear one, it inspires me to do something. So, can you give us a a lefty cray yeah. story from your experience?
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I'm. Left, I met Lefty in the '80s, um, and he was at he came to a fly shop in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which I had been taking a women's class there uh, at. It's called Chi Blind Flying Tap, Tackle, and Les Kirk was the owner, and he had asked me to come in and, and help him because I I passed his first class. I I was I didn't know anything w- about what I was doing, but he was teaching me through that and wanted me to teach other women. So. I helped him with that. I just graduated and they were having this guy come into town called Lefty Cray and he was going to do some demos at the fly shop. And then he was doing a private class with a group of doctors there that had had flew him in. So I knew, you know, I wanted to go because all my TU friends were there, but I thought it would be a free dinner out. let's go do this and see this old guy. (laughs) And I get out there and it was when, it was when girls was wearing all these, these, uh, Zippered chic jeans and and high heels with them, candies. So I was all dressed up to go out to dinner. And there was a group of probably 100 people on the side street. And Lefty starts, you know, doing his thing. And he asked for a volunteer to come and cast with him. And nobody would go. And all of a sudden, from behind me, somebody pushed me (laughs) out in front. And here I am face to face with Lefty. And he says, Hello there, I'm Lefty Cray. Who are you? I'm Wanda Taylor, and he says, "Well, Wanda, I'm gonna, I want to cast with you, but I don't want you to help me, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna do some casting." I went, oh, in my head, I'm going, "Hey, I just graduated from fly fishing school, okay? I I don't think I need any help." So the first cast we did, I tried to help him, and he dropped the rod and he turned to the crowd and he said, "I used to think I could teach." any woman I knew that I wasn't married to, to fly cast, but I'm not sure about Miss Wanda. And so they (laughs) laughed. And I was so embarrassed, red faced, I could, I could call it a hole. And, um, so he says, okay, next time, Wanda, do not help me this time. You understand that? I said, yes, sir. So he, we cast or he cast actually, and it went 70 feet, one stroke. Wow. And, And That's when he got my attention. And so that we, that was our first time to, to big friends. He went out to dinner with us, and uh, several times over the years, he's come to the Hiawassee and fished with us. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah, and so he's kind of been my mentor, my friend, and my confidant for many, many years, especially through the ins and outs of the fly fishing industry. I've worked for three rod companies over my span of 32 years, and some of those times are a little difficult. And mm-hmm. I'd write him a letter, and like, how do you stay in this industry and encouraged, and he'd, he'd, he'd pick up the phone and call me. He'd say, Wanda, this is Lefty. I said, yes, sir. He says, can you afford an airplane ticket to come out and see me? And, and, I, and I couldn't at the time, but I said, yes, sir. He said, I got some things I want to teach you. So I flew up there and spent a couple of days with him, he, he and F, and he took me through so many wonderful things of photography, uh, riding, outdoor riding and, uh, you know, teaching, casting and stuff, that it was just invaluable. I, it was, it was like, he just wanted to calm me down. You're going to live through this. It's going to be fine. And he does that for everybody. It's not just me. I mean, he's just, that's the kind of guy he was and we miss him so immensely.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, I know. And that's the, it seems like obviously there's only one lefty and you, that's why you hear so many of these amazing stories. And I think the power of it is, is that he, he inspires you. You know, whenever I hear a story, it's like, the next day, I'll do something that maybe I wouldn't have done, but because I think of Lefty, I'm like, "Oh man, what would Lefty have done here?" And it's like, you know what? <laughs> he, he would have stepped out, right? He would have stepped out and did something that was just... and the story I love. I've said this uh, so many times, well, a few times on the show, mm-hmm. but the the one where he uh, flew out to flip Pallet when back in when they had flipped, yeah. lost his place, and gave him a bunch of money and stuff, yeah. and. Like yeah. all those stories just inspire me to be like, man, why, we should all be doing that. So it seems like, you know, that's yeah. the power, right. Of, of, of his influence.
0: Yeah. He teaches, uh, he teaches all of us to reach out to others. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the importance of life to him. It's not so much the fishing and the fly tie and all that genius stuff that he did. Uh, it's all about the people. I mean, that's exactly, and, and, it, and it, we pass it on to others as well. So instead of, Climbing the ladder up to success, you reach down behind you and pull other people up. That's just what we're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. All right, well, Wanda, I think we're uh, we're doing well here. Uh, we touched on a little bit of uh, you know some of the dry fly fishing uh, in your home river. I mean, do you want to talk I know you've got a little bit of uh, saltwater experience. Do you want to uh, just briefly touch on what you have going there? Is that I mean, talk about that first, maybe saltwater. like why what's the difference between saltwater and dry fly fishing? Because it seems like you're maybe going more into the <laughs> are you more passionate about saltwater now?
0: I am I'm, I'm addicted to bone fishing. And it's it's so similar to trout fishing because you you see the fish you you see the where they are you have to place it, you know the fly in the right position and and then you just hang on they go from zero to sixty miles an hour in a nanosecond and all I can do is laugh I mean it it just makes me happy hmm. back to when when I die that's where my ashes are going is on the bonefish flat. really right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But I love, I mean, I'm learning more and more. I have another great mentor, Jake, Captain Jake Jordan, who's cop, cop, probably more Marlin
1: than mm-hmm. any
0: possible person in the world. And he's given me some great experiences to, to learn to, to catch sailfish in Guatemala. And we did 17 sailfish in two days and just about wore me completely out. But I learned how to fight big fish. And then we he allowed me to progress over to um, to some big blue marlin Mm. and scared the Kajibis out of me because they're so huge. And, um, I was able to catch on a 20 pound tippet, um, a hundred pound. The first one I caught was over a hundred pounds. The second one was two eighty, and it, 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 I I was just in awe. I I, I couldn't believe that. I I saw this fish maybe a mile away from the boat and, you know, your mates are working with you, your mentors working with you, the captain's working with you. So it's a, it's a group sport. It's not, it's not a single or are, yeah. we're all on the same team. And when I saw it, I I did the, the Cardinal sin, I saw it as a mile away and it was leaping and leaping. And I said, whose fish is that? Hmm. And I held onto the line instead of letting it run, I held onto the line, just a split second and pow. No kidding. And I got hit, I got hit on the back of the head and it said, that was your fish.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, just, just, like, just like I teach in my boat, there's those, many, those small things that you have to know that the, that is the rules. And if you break one of the rules, you lose. And that was one of the rules. Uh, number one, never, never fight the fish. Yep. You know, you wait till it's tired and then you, and then you work in increments. But the, I knew not to do that. But I just was in awe of that fish that I, I held on. So wow. there you go.
1: What What do you I, for somebody who's never even knows nothing about catching a marlin? I mean, what, what What's the gear? What setup are you using?
0: Well, he had a. We did a, a Charl, Charlton reel, um, and it's probably I think one of the the best reels in the world, actually. And it um, it's completely sealed. The disc and everything is completely sealed. Uh, Jake has one. It's like we call her Ug- Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty, um, had, he had a friend that bought this reel and somehow they were in Alby Fest. I don't know if you've been fishing for Albies, but we have a no. blitz here in the fall in, in North Carolina in October and they are on bait balls. And if you just dangle your fly in the water by accident, which this guy did, he was eating a sandwich or something. The Alby took the fly, also took the rod and his new reel. He had a new sage rod and he had a, uh, Charlton. Yeah. The, yeah. It just took off and it was gone forever. Huh. So, um, yeah. So, wow. so, uh, two months later, uh, he gets a call from Jack Charlton and said, um, J- uh, Jake, there's a, there's a guy that called me from Savannah and said that he, thinks he has one of our reels and he picked it up and it was just eaten up with barnacles. Yeah. And, uh, he, he was a treasure hunter. He was diving as a treasure hunter. And so he, he, uh, you know, steamed and all that stuff off and found the, the serial numbers hmm. on it and, 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 <laughs> and called in and sure, sure enough, it was the, the guy's reel that had lost, uh, lost it in the alb-fist.
2: Wow. So
0: Jake, Jake met with him and he said, what would you, what would you like? And, uh, he said, well, um, well, I'd like a new Mako reel that Jack Charlton is built. And he said, uh, well, okay, how about I, I buy you or give you a new one. And can I have that one? And he said, sure. So that ugly Betty is what, you know, is on her now Is still catching selfish and Marlin. No kidding. Today. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't run, you could run over it with a tractor trailer and they're still going to perform. They're amazing. Uh, Mako That's, reels are just Mako, okay. one of a kind. And what, what, mm-hmm. and
1: what so, sort of, what weight rod are you using?
0: We were using the heavy duty TFO blue water rods that Jake helped, uh, design for us. Um, he is our, our blue water specialist on our national advisory staff and, um, they're terrific rods. They're designed for fighting. So.
1: Gotcha. So, so you're not fly casting to those fish. Yeah, you are. Oh
0: you are. You're throwing half you're throwing half a chicken. A fly that looks like a half a chicken.
1: Roy, So you're actually taking yeah. a six foot rod and you're making a fly cast out there to him and then letting it
0: mm, right. And then yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. just and take then a you, surf you,
1: for somebody. Again, I'm 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 in I, I know I know nothing about it, so it's like interesting to hear <laughs> how because I'm well, just picturing myself. Yeah, how how does it all work?
0: Well, a year ago, um in February, it, last yeah, last year in February, I had the... Opportunity to go to Kona, Hawaii, with Jake and another couple, and their last names happen to be Taylor as well. And we were going for um, a, kind of a, a world record for Jake. He he's got like a golden grand slam thing where you you catch so many different marlin. You know, stripes, the white, the blue, the black, and the the one that's in the category that he did not haven't caught yet was a short built spearfish. So that would have made it. So we were out there fishing for things like that. And um, first, first, it was his turn up first. And um, he caught a, a big sailfish and we released it. And it was my turn next. And so we had the fly and you have that, the blue water rod and you have the mako reel. And the guys, your your team, the mates will put out teasers. And they, the, the captain says, I see, I see a fish coming in. Uh, get ready wanted to cast and I said all right ready I said what is it is it a is a marlin is a sailfish he said I think it's a sailfish and he said go ahead and I said well if if it's a spearfish I'm giving this rod to Jake and he said no go ahead and cast so you do a a, a back cast and then they switch the fly they pull out the teasers and you put your fly there because the the fish is already pretty hot you know the red stripe and and then when you finally see it's its mouth is on it. Then you, you you strip strike on the fish, and then then it starts to run. And the captain says it's on, and it, you know everybody like killed the engine, and so it's, it's it all happened so fast you can't believe it. Wow. And uh, so fortunately, this fish was coming in, you know, pretty. It was. I really didn't know what it was until we got close to the boat, and the captain said, "Oh my gosh, it's a world record! It's a it's a short bill spearfish." And I went, "No, no, no." I tried to give the rod to Jake because that's the one he needed. And he said, no, no, if I touch it, I'm, you're disqualified, I'm disqualified. So I went, we went ahead and brought the fish in. It was it was super, super exciting on a 20-pound tippet. Yeah, but you've you got so much adrenaline going, you just can't believe it's all happening at one time. And um, it was a really, really wonderful experience to have.
1: So you throw a, so like you're throwing bait out there to attract to the fish to get them
0: in? No, these are artificial uh lures that oh, they have cool. out there but oh, wow. they don't so, have, they don't, gotcha. have hooks on, they don't have hooks on them yeah so yeah so they're teasing them up with that we're not throwing bait but gotcha. um and, and they just they just kind of get their attention you know to get them to you know come on in and in, a, in casting distance so uh it's 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 exciting sport
1: and are they the thing they're teasing them with is it So like your fly, you, you can't tease them because it's not big enough. I'm just trying to get get a feel for why, why? No, no,
0: no. It's a, it's a, it's a bait and switch. You know, they, they pull theirs out. There might be rubber. And then we have a fly in there with, with a hook on it, of course. And, and try to attract it to that. And it's always a hot color. It's either pink or something like that. And, um. Hopefully, sometimes they turn off. It's like no, 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 no. I want that other thing, that rubber thing. Um, they'll just—you oh, can't get gotcha. them to take. Yeah, you can't get them to take it. But if you've got the right maneuver of the fly and can simulate what was happening, then and and you're quick enough to set the hook, then the, everything, all the actions come together, and yep. the team goes to work, and the captain goes to work, and
1: oh wow, wow. So if I was if I was out there in my boat, uh, if I had one out there out in the ocean, kind of, I couldn't just see a sailfish and then take my setup and cast to him with the fly and expect that I'm going to get a fish to come. Yeah, into. no, you can. I've oh, done it can. in
0: Mexico. We've done it. was done it in Mexico on, in pond. We were in Pangas, but it's mostly like a little pontoon boat kind of thing. Yeah, and we were going out at daylight, and I had the TF. was with a TFO group, and Dan Blanton from um, the West Coast was there. Was a bunch of us there. And uh, we go out almost in the dark. And as we were going out, we saw sailfish lay, asleep laying on the surface of the water. Hmm. And so the the our Hispanic captain started, sp- he couldn't speak English at that time because he was so excited. And he just gave cash, cash. And so we threw out some flies and one of them woke up and all, and here we go, bam, the bike and the, the fight was on. No he kidding. Was selfish. It was probably 125 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's that happens, too. I mean, you know, with ho- pushing in Hawaii, especially, you know, in, when we go like Costa Rica for blue marlin, we're like 50 miles offshore. Well, when Hawaii, you just go like one block away and you're in deep blue water because it's, you know, it, it's just on the tip of an island. that The Kona is on. The rest of it's mm-hmm. volcanic and you know deep water. It's amazing. So you really wouldn't have to go that far. Those guys catching them in kayaks. Yeah, in Florida. Wow. Yeah, you know, so I, it, it's just the luck of the draw where you are, and they just, they happen to be there. Yep. But um,
1: gotcha, gotcha. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I wish. Uh, yeah. Wish we had a little more time to dig into. Uh, maybe down live we'll we'll get a whole episode on on some of this. But I, I did want to take us back to the dry flies because I want to take us out of here with the little what I call the two twenty two uh, top two tips, top two flies, top two resources, and. You know, we were talking about fishing your home water. If you think of a couple of dry Mm -hmm. flies, are there two flies that you kind of don't leave home without that you, you you know, kind of go to patterns? Well,
0: anywhere I fish around the world, you know, if I'm going to fish for trout of some kind, even in the West, I I have a parachute atoms. Yeah, And I don't care in every color. I mean, last time I fished West a couple of years ago, they were doing that purple haze thing
2: yeah. you know
0: that was a parachute out in purple haze. I, whatever it takes if it's yellow or, or black or brown or gray or or even making it look burgundy like our Isonicia, that's what a lot of the guides will try and i think the parachute is always a deadly pattern because it yeah. lays you know down on the surface um and the emergers of, of any dry fly is, is just going to be two two things i'd always want to have i like caddises in every color no matter where I fish for trout, whether they're going to be green on, the, on their body or black on their body or brown on their body or blonde on their body, um, I, would, I would have one of each of those. Uh, and stimulators.
1: Oh, and a stimulator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the other big one. Is there a yeah, orange
0: Yeah, orange, yellow, lime.
1: Or Orange, okay. Or orange, yellow, mm-hmm. lime, or is that e- either one mm-hmm. or all those colors in one?
0: I've never t- seen it all <laughs> colors in one, but I think it would be a cool fly. Yeah. I think, let's do that.
1: Yeah, let's try to Change it up. Exactly. I would always think whenever I think of caddis, I think of a tied-down caddis, right? This is like old school, uh-huh. you know, but there's all the other, I yeah. guess there's like a lot of the soft tackles, which I guess can imitate caddis as well. But
0: um, Yeah, there, and there's so many different, you know, synthetic things that we have that we didn't have before. Uh, I think with the caddis, I mean, you could step on it on a rock and just, it, they'd probably catch more fish than if you put a, one that was just delicately tied. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's how, it's how you present it, like skittering. I think skittering, to get their attention, especially in early summer, going from spring to early summer, they're kind of getting lazy. And so they won't take it it's just as it's, you know, laying on the water, a drag-free drift. They want it moving. And when they like it, because they're used to seeing caddises just, you know, hatching, just fly off. So, um, it's just a presentation of it and you have to kind of play around with that to see what today, what is it today, guys, you want, all right, we're going to give it to you, but you're going to have to help me here. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right. Awesome. Well, that, the skittering, that's kind of one, one tip. I'll put a note in to some more information on skittering. If you had another Mm -hmm. tip for dry fly, say you got your, your client out there, you're kind of teaching them. what, What would you tell them as a tip for, for dry fly fishing?
0: Just make sure that the rod is constantly in line with the fly that You follow the fly with the rod tip mm. that way, you'll be ready to set the hook at any given moment. You know, just don't let slack line get between you and that fly.
1: Yep, yep, that's right, that's awesome. Especially when the
0: current's yeah, yeah, when the current's taking it, you know, and then it's swimming. But, um, you know, I love to fish them, especially on seams and right over waterfalls and stuff, it, it, it's just a lot of fun. Um, but The key is just getting out there, and more time on the water. The more time on the water you have, the more it makes more sense to you what to do. There's no perfect one thing that you can do. No. Each each day you go out, it's a different ballgame, and that's why we stay interested. If it was the same same every day, we'd be bored.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You it's never.
0: Be... It's never the. It's never the same, and that's why you get excited about going. Yeah.
1: totally. <laughs> so, what's the what's the best time uh, to fish your, that that river? Is there a time you really love to hit it?
0: Well, May, any time, any fish, <laughs> any place in the world that you go in May is going to be, a, you know, a wonderful, wonderful fishing experience. Oh,
1: really? Right. May
0: is May. Oh, yeah why, yeah.
1: why is that? Why is May such an amazing month? I well, it's right. still early,
0: it's still early spring and, you know, the waters are, are still pretty cool. Uh, even in bone fishing, May. I mean, anytime you go red fishing, May, May is just a pleasant time to be fishing. And there's, mm-hmm. there's always good fishing in May.
1: That's, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That maybe That's the best tip of all. Okay. So May is our, <laughs> is our main month. What about, uh, to wrap us, to take us out of here. Um, so resources, if you, again, you're talking dry fly fishing, are there any other like books, magazines, videos, anything that comes to mind that, that somebody could, if they want to dig more into dry fly fishing, either in your home water or just well, in general?
0: Well, you know, we're all Google people now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love
2: Google. Uh,
0: uh, and there's YouTube, there's YouTube about the yang. I, that, in fact, when I had a, a, a you know, casting class, at the end of the day, I'll say, here's the three, the three casts that you learned today or the four casts you've learned today. Go to YouTube. If, after you've got home, you've forgotten everything I've told you and type in the name of it, just like a caddis. And, yeah. and, and then the varieties of caddises, And, and just study it. And uh, in, the, in the elder days when we didn't have all this, I would get the Orvis catalog and I studied every fly. Then I go into the fly shop and try to find one until I could understand how they all fit into the pattern of, of fly fishing. Yeah. So the more you know about the flies and what they're supposed to do, uh, or if you you not turn into a fly tire, who knows?
1: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's good. It, they, they, I'm just I just searched uh, Reach Cast just to see what pops up. That's the interesting on on YouTube because some of it probably maybe isn't the best, right? You might get something that isn't. Um, but you know what pops up first, like it does always, is is Orvis, uh, his, <laughs> Pete, right? Pete They pay a
0: lot of money for that. Yeah, they're, they're a geek guys. Good.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pete, Pete does a good job. There, so. Yeah, but
0: yeah. there's so many there's so many great fly companies now. It's it's hard to find a bad fly. I don't. It, I, know I get a lot of hits on uh, emails from China and Korea and, and India. People wanting me to buy their flies. And oh, I'm yeah. Thinking. You don't even live here, and you don't even know what the patterns look like. No. And you want me to buy your flies? No. I
2: know. <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry. I don't go to the fly shop and buy from some kid that's trying to make it through college. Yeah. Just flies that that's yeah. up here. That's up exactly. here all the time. You know, that's where my money's
1: going. Do you guys find that? What, what is your local? Do you have a local fly shop nearby?
0: My yeah, there's the the new the closest one I have now is called the Hatch, and it's in Chattanooga. To me, it's like 30 minutes away from my home. Okay. But, you know, Amazon Prime is also, it sounds horrible, but I can call any of the fly shops out west anywhere and have some, whatever I need in two days. Oh, Um, just, yeah, Prime. So, just it comes to my house, yeah. Yeah. So, I try to shop local when I have the opportunity. When I'm at the river, yes, I spend my money there. But if I need something, like I'm I'm trying to go red fishing here soon, and I couldn't find leaders, and so I just, you know, went. Through found some, and they shipped them to me.
1: Yeah. No, I, and I, I hear you on the uh, the local fly. I remember in our old fly shop when we were going, mm-hmm. we kind of prided mm-hmm. ourselves on, on tying up the flies. But it does seem like nowadays most of the fly shops are getting their flies from overseas. I'm not sure if that's the case for everyone. But.
0: Well, the hatch, what's something I like about it, they, this guy's a really intelligent guy. And his marketing is really good. Uh, he put a bar, I put a, a keg, a, you know, beer oh, yeah. thing in a bar in there. And so every Thursday night or whatever, they do fly tying oh, and, wow. and try a new beer. And Perfect. so he's getting more local. Yeah, exactly. And it's getting more local people involved in fly tying. And then he's getting, you know, more fly tying materials in. And so they're, they're keeping their flies as local as they can. And I think that's one of the coolest things. He also worked on helping stock some of the streams around Chattanooga mm-hmm. with trout. And oh, wow. making them sustainable and you know, cleaning those streams up. So he, that's what I think a lot of fly shop owners that go into it don't realize that this is a, it's a business, but you've got to be part of the community. Yeah. And those who don't want to be part of the community and who don't have a personality better than the eggplant, <laughs> they're, they're going to close. I mean, yeah. just, that's the way it goes. Cool. It's people-oriented. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's my type of fly shop. Uh, beers, uh, beers and fly yeah, tying. Come to, Chattano-
0: yeah, yeah. come to Chattanooga. Yeah, to man. Uh, it's a cool place. I'm
1: coming. I'm coming. <laughs> sure. Okay. Hey, and, and just to take us out here, on uh, you know, we noted women in fly fishing. Obviously, you're uh, probably one of the biggest names out there, kind of in the fly fishing space. Any, what would you tell somebody? Of you know, you got some guys listening here. You know, to, like how could we help? Um, you know that that movement, right? You got the 50-50 movement, just to help more women get involved. Well, is, is there I- anything?
0: I've, I see nothing but help from all the guys that I know, and especially people like you that have two daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I've never I've never had an experience on the river, and I've talked to other women that have that they run them off the river or have been rude to them or, yeah. or. Every time I go, some guy tries to give me some flies that he's tried and they were really good, and you know, or they help me put my my drift boat back at the end. They're, I've just never had anything but positive experiences, and I think more guys want their their significant other or loved one to join them out there fishing let's go around the world. That's That's my goal. I mean, when we ever get out of this being shut home, I, I, you'll never see me again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going first? Once you can get out, where's the first place you're going?
0: Well, I was shut out of Argentina in, in March. And so I've still got that ticket to go. I've I've never been to Argentina fishing. So that's, that's one of the places I'm going to go in March, but I'm trying to get into doing some red fishing Next weekend after Thanksgiving, I was supposed to go on a on a mothership, uh, stay on a mothership and and fish for some reds. And the they had a hurricane. You know, they've had seven hurricanes in New Orleans Jeez. this year. <laughs> it, wow. It's been unfreaking believable. Oh, so they gosh. didn't have uh, the it tore the marina completely apart. Oh. They had no fuel. You know, so we postponed it till hopefully, if there's not any other thing that's going to come in, I'm going to going to sneak off down there and. And try some red fishing.
1: Cool, cool. And uh, yeah. any, anything else in the next uh, six to twelve months that you want to give a shout out? You have coming for you or your business or anything else?
0: Oh uh, well, everything has kind of been on hold. But
1: yeah, uh, that's true.
0: God bless TFO. I mean, yeah. we're here and and shipping and you've got all of the new models that's out. And I, I do encourage you guys to try the Legacy. It is something else. Cool. And the axiom, the axiom two X is wonderful they're just two beautiful one's beautiful stick and the other is a biting stick that you can't
2: stop so
1: i'm gonna get on i'm gonna get on that for sure what what do you love you know tfo uh just quickly here i mean what what do you love about that company what 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 is the first thing you know you've been with them still for a while right now
0: yeah yeah about 17 years um it's a big family yeah and uh, we have the top we have the top uh, top 10 or 12 i think athletes I call it fly fishing mm. an athletic sport uh, is on our national advisory staff. And they all have a specialty in their own arena. I and mean, we've got Bob Plouser, you know, oh, yeah. he has his arena. And, you know, Ed Jarowski, he has his arena. And we have Jake Jordan has his arena with Blaine chocolate. He yeah. has his arena, but Pallet is on there. And, you know, there's just, there's just so many that if I, I have my go-to guys, all I do is pick up the phone and say, Hey, I need so, some information, you know, and, and it is just like a big family and we're there for each other. And it's because of Lefty. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. that's the way he raised us. That's it's right. like having your father raise
1: you. Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, Rick, uh, <laughs> Rick Pope told the story here. I'll put a link to that episode, but he talked about that the, the when he brought Lefty on, how big of a move that was because Lefty pretty much brought Bob and everybody else along with them and, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like help build the foundation yeah. for uh, to help build the company, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, he brought me there too. And, and uh, shout out to Rick Pope for introducing me to you. This is a, a really cool yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, it, no, it, I know, Rick I know.
0: Consent, uh, I, yeah, I'm your girl. <laughs> that's
1: exactly. That's what Rick, well, I think I asked him that. I said, Rick, so who else do I need to be talking to? And he said, you need to talk to Wanda. So that's, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've built this show show pretty much organically over the last few years. And uh, yeah. it's kind of the yeah. fun. It's like my little journey I'm on. So it's been fun, Wanda, talking to you. I appreciate you. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we cover, just go to webflyswing.com slash 172. As we approach our 200th episode in the not-too-distant future, I'd love to hear if you have an idea or want to provide some feedback for the uh, celebration episode. If you have an idea for uh, a celebration episode or want to provide some feedback, send me an email at uh, dave at wetflyswing.com or just DM me on social. It'd be great to hear if you have some ideas for how we can really put this together and have a, a amazing, uh, four, four years, basically four year celebration. So thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up this soon. I hope maybe see you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the wet fly swing, fly fishing show for notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts or the app of your choice.